Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome to another episode of Barnyard Language. Thank you for joining us again here on the podcast. Katie and her cat are here recording. If you're on Patreon, you can see that. If not, you can just imagine that she's trying to keep her cat off the keyboard and away from the microphone. Or maybe not away from the microphone, depending on how loud it's purring. Katie, what is going on the farm these days? This is the girl child's cat. Her name is Dips. Not my child. The cat's name is Dips. Um, <laughs> Got it. These yeah. kittens were hand-raised by my kids when they were in an in-home daycare. So you can imagine how tremendously neurotic a cat that was hand-raised by a bunch of children under the age of five is. Right. Um, but also shockproof. We, yeah. Yeah. We did not anticipate getting another cat, but they were going to new homes and there was not even a moment of discussion before this one was in our car coming home with us. At which point I asked my kid what they were going to name her. And my child said, him named Dips, and just looked at me like, duh. Of course. Obviously. Other than that, it has been very hot with no rain here. And then today we had one of those days where it got down to 40 overnight, which 40 Fahrenheit. So not a whole lot above freezing. It is absolutely stunning outside today and I'm having a very hard time doing my work for my job that pays me money so that I can do right, stuff like yeah. a podcast and feeding my children and dips yeah. um, so not a whole lot just waiting for it to did rain. any rain come with that weather shift or no it was just a swinging we have an 80 percent chance of rain but today is what they said but there's no more than like a 10 percent chance per hour and there is the nearest thing I saw on the radar is north of the UP in Michigan, so whatever part of Canada that is. Mm-hmm. And then it looked like maybe there was a storm in Texas, and since we're in Iowa, I really doubt that we're going to get anything from either of those. I love talking to farmers about weather, because it's not just, I don't know. <laughs> it's very precise, yeah. the radar says, and this weather yeah. app says. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to know from our listeners what the average number of weather apps consulted is per I know it I'm sure it rises substantially when you're more anxious about the weather but I'm yes. wondering how many weather yeah. apps most families how, use yeah. how many sources are we checking here which is the most reliable yeah and if anyone's found a way to not absorb the emotional impact of the weather report when it's less than favorable right no not the kind of weather report you want on that given day yeah so what's happening in your world arlene we had prom rounds two over here my daughter didn't want to use cows for photos on actual prom day which is very responsible of her i think that was the right choice so we had our friend and photographer Lindsay, come and do some cow pictures on this past weekend, which is a week after prom. So she got some beautiful cow shots with all of her babies and all of her big cows and 
there were uh, there was a selection criteria that went from former 4-H animals to the favorite cow in the barn to I'm not even sure how some of them got selected. But anyway, there was a pasture field involved. There were cows on the driveway. There was lots of different cow shots. It was very nice. My husband came in the house after having moved a few cows around and said, I'm not ready for her wedding. And I was like, that's a long way off. He's no, just the pictures. <laughs> So it wasn't that he was feeling all that sentimental about the fact that she might get married someday. It was more the the number of photos. I was like, well, if it's her wedding day someday, you're not wanted in that many pictures anyway. So you don't need to worry too much about it. And other than that, we're in the countdown to the end of school. There are two full weeks left and then a part week. So I'm also in countdown mode of how many things can I try and get done before all of my kids are home all day, every day, because that's what summer looks like around here. There are maybe a few potentially like half day camps going on for different children at different times, but pretty much everyone will be home all the time. So that's a whole new routine to get used to. And we're also in the depths of paperwork for my daughter has already applied to and accepted a spot at university, but now it's all the different things and all the different logins and all the different passwords. And so much of it is secure. And yeah, learning about the bureaucracy of university and what all of that looks like, especially in an online world, is a whole new thing. So yeah, we were doing some more paperwork and scanning of documents today to try and get some stuff completed. So that's another adventure too trying to make sure you remember all these very important logins and very important numbers, but none of them are overlap. Yeah. Yeah. That's always the thing too, is that they, they all have such different criteria for what makes an acceptable password. Yes. Yeah. And what their security is. It was for, it was even for something stupid. I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't anything that needed near the level of security that they were trying to force upon it. That they, yeah, they thought that you needed. Yeah. And then, of course, you get your password in and then it kicks it out and it'll tell you it's not suitable, but it won't tell you why. And it's... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Try again. Yeah, yeah. Are your kids showing this summer for fairs then or... So just my daughter at this point, the middle two boys, we told them they had to do 4-H last summer because it was the first real 4-H season there had been in a while because of the COVID years where there were a lot of restrictions and things weren't happening. And then they were, but just at the last minute, or there weren't really too many live shows. A lot of fairs had still been canceled. So last year they did 4-H and... That I think will be it for a while for Animal 4-H. They're doing other 4-H. They're both in my cookie club, but they're not showing animals this year, no. And the youngest will probably do the pre-4-H show at our Holstein show, but it's not till August. So he doesn't actually have to start training anything quite yet. So at this point, yes, just my daughter, but we have six 4-Hers with animals here. So she has... What used to be the sheep barn is now called the Heifer Hotel, and so all the show animals are over there. So there's extra work that's going into raising all of those, but she's the only one of our kids who are actually showing. Yeah. Yeah, I think this will probably be the last year that we will not have kids showing for quite a while. The girl child did Clover Kids this year, and they both will next year. She got an invite to show it one fair this summer but it was it's not even our 
the fairgrounds, the club that their school district is in, is technically four counties, so it's not even a county fair. The town sits literally in the corner of four counties, and so they have a separate fair that's not really a fair, and then it's a whole thing. And of course, because we don't live in town, they will end up being in a separate 4-H club than the one that they're in now, and it's, I don't know, it's a thing. So I'm sure we'll have plenty of updates on that in the future, but I am in no tremendous rush to volunteer to start getting them showing animals. No, definitely don't. Hold off on that. Yeah. It'll be fun when it comes, but yes, at this age, it's a lot more work for the parents than it's going to be for... Yeah, and at this age, the the only animals they're old enough to show are bucket and bottle calves. And since we don't have any bucket and bottle calves, we would have to procure some. And right, yeah, I'm guessing you have lots of years ahead of you. Don't start too early. Yeah, yeah, I'm guessing bucket bottle calves aren't as bad if run a dairy and have a lot of them, but a one-off bucket bottle calf is a pain in the ass, and I don't Mm -hmm. really want to. My kids don't know that they're missing out on anything, so I don't yeah. intend to tell them. Yeah, exactly. Well, should we welcome our guest for this week then? We should indeed. Today on the podcast, we're talking to Kevin Cunningham, who's joining us from Northern California. And Kevin, we start each of our interviews with the same question, and this is a way to introduce yourself to our listeners. So we always ask, what are you growing? So this can cover crops and livestock, your family, businesses, and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah, so I, was, you- I was actually thinking quite a bit about this question because I like the format of it. Uh, and I wanted to go from top down. I could talk about the crops and the animals and I'll get there. But I was thinking the main thing that we're growing here is our farm. And so that's like the thing we're, we're growing is this farm kind of craziness. And of course, you can't have a farm without the farmers. So I'll start with us. So hopefully we are growing ourselves through this process of growing the farm. So it's me and my wife, Melanie, um, are the main owner farmers here at Shake Fork Community Farm. And then we are also growing Farmer Clyde, who is our son. So he's nine years old and gainfully employed by the farm. We actually officially this year, he is he is working chores with us on the crew. So we got finished with chores this morning. We can usually do about eight to 10 on, on our morning chores. So he's working with me out there on doing chores. And then we're also growing our farm community. And that includes our apprentices and employees who we see as growing future farmers. So we have an apprentice program. We have three to four apprentices a year and usually young people who come here who live and work with us on the farm to learn about farming and and we're actually quite proud of the number of apprentices and employees that we've had that have gone on to either start their own farm businesses or work in agriculture in some way because I feel like the world needs more farmers. There's very few of them and we would do a lot better if there was more of them. So we're trying to grow more farmers. That's one of uh, probably our first main crop <laughs> besides the farm itself and our family. 
And then as far as the kind of the larger farm community, we're a Shake Fork Community Farm. So we're, we have a CSA, we have a community supported agriculture program that we are continuing to grow and build. And my wife, Melanie, she's in the background there, are developing. And it's something that we've had since the inception of our farm. It's taken a, a couple of different iterations and types. So that's growing that kind of customer support as well as our farmer's markets, which is one of the main things that one of our main marketing outlets is the the farmer's market. So growing our customer base and our community support within the the farmer's markets. And then also just we tend to be really active in our community. And so we're growing our Humboldt County larger community as well. And that's all kind of part of it. I guess more nuts and bolts kind of stuff of what we're actually growing on the farm. Like I said, we have a a community support agriculture and that's for the vegetables part of our operation. So we have about five acres of mixed vegetables, including a couple of high tunnels that we use uh, to start crops as well as to grow crops during the season year round. We have a year round vegetable production. Luckily, Despite the little dusting of snow that we recently had, we are fairly mild climate, so we grow year-round. We have a farmer's market that goes year-round. Our CSA is seasonal, so it's June through October. So that's the crop production part of our farm. The entirety of the farm is about 85 acres. About 40 of that is river, or on the Van Dusen River, which is a tributary of the Eel River watershed system. And trees and rocks and wildlife. The remainder, 40 to 45, is the kind of the farmstead. So we've got about a 45-acre farmstead that includes our pasture fields and the garden and the buildings and outbuildings. And so probably about 35 of that is pasture. Um, We've isolated that we only have about five good arable acres and the rest is fairly rocky and sandy soil. So that all is in permanent pasture. And on that permanent pasture, we manage, intensively manage cattle for beef grass-fed beef, and we have a small home dairy, so I'm milking three cows, and uh, and then we're also on that same pasture footprint raising egg layers, so we've got about close to probably 500 egg layers currently in two different coop systems, and we are, and then seasonally during the summer, we raise broilers, chickens for meat. We'll raise 1,200 or so, 1,000 to 1,200 broiler chickens a year. And then we'll also do a run of Thanksgiving turkeys. So up to 60 some odd Thanksgiving turkeys on the pasture as well. Occasionally, we'll also have a couple of hogs that we raise for farm farmstead eating. I haven't gotten into any pork production. I don't like pigs enough to go there with, the, with pastured pork. And... Yeah, I guess that's the that's the bulk of everything that we're doing. So we're basically doing a little of just about everything. I have in the past grown small grains. I've done, that's actually how we started the farm. So I started as a grain CSA actually. So I started doing 
oats and barley and wheat, rye, buckwheat, flax, a few other things. We don't long, no longer grow that, mainly because we, when we moved to this particular piece of ground, we only realized we had five acres that was at all worth cropping, and the rest was just too rocky and sandy to try to work into crop production. So yeah, so that's pretty so much the rundown of what we're growing. To sell your dairy products, or you guys just eating a lot of ice cream? Which no judgment for me at all, but it's always interesting hearing what the different legalities allow. <laughs> we, yeah, totally. Um, well, uh, we There's do no... have a ice cream maker, and uh, I make butter. And we do a lot of stuff, and. And, uh, you know, the, the, while, while raw milk is for sale in, in California, um, Humboldt County, because it's a very large, um, dairy production, um, there's a lot of grass based, awesome dairy production. We actually have strict rules, um, than the rest of California. So, um, milk was important for, for us. So that's one of the reasons why we, we, we milk the cows, um, and I have quite a family. So we've got the apprentices who are also feeding as uh, my family. My, my parents live in, in the nearest town um, here. Um, and, and so that's all about why one of the reasons why we, we milk the cows um, is for us. Um, another thing that I didn't talk about in what we're growing um, was one of the part from a lot of other farms is the oxen. Um, and so raise and train and use oxen almost exclusively on the farm. Um, we actually do have a tractor and a rototiller and other, other mechanized equipment, but, um, the oxen is a big part of it. One of the benefits of, um, having dairy cows is, um, that's one of, that's how I start my oxen. Do, um, I raise bottle plate to start all of my oxen. Um, and we work with, um, um, a local dairy farm. That's really awesome. Alexander family farm up in Crescent city. And so you get, calves from them and select out best, you know, fix calves. And then I'll take those, those, uh, and, um, so that's another reason why we keep the cows. Um, we milk cows is cause then I can, I can control and raise a set, a group of, of bottle calves. And then out of that group of calves, I'll select the best two that I like as far as physical condition and personality and all of these things, um, and they'll become future oxen teams. So, um, you know, while the dare isn't necessarily a, a fine part of our, it's still a part of the, uh, the kind of the, the inner work kind of work, the farm organism, I could call it. So, um, that's, uh, we do do a lot of dairy, um, and then we'll use the sim uh, pigs and, raise calves and, and do all of the, 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 the things around the farm that, 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 uh, having a dairy cow that around works well for. I was just picturing that you had three cows and milk for three people. And that seemed a little, a little intense. <laughs> um, and obviously we're going to. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it yeah, is. I yeah. mean, that would, it's, it's um, a lot of milk. Obviously we're going to circle back around to the oxen, but are you selling teams or do you have like. 20 teams of oxen out there now too. You know, um, there's, there is no market. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that it's like a teams. real booming thing, <laughs> but, but. Um, who knows? Maybe someday. Yeah. I know like, you know, in, in, uh, in England, you know, are where the, there's a lot of, kind of uh, 4-H, you know, wing uh, steams, 
Um, there certainly is it for, you know, like Cavs and, you know, newer team, um, part of the 4-H groups in New England. Um, and uh, West, that's like where most of the oxen are. Um, you know, to be perfectly honest, I think I might be one of the only Teamsters that's actively keeping oxen um, on the western part of the U.S. So, um, but uh, yeah, there's, you know, I, I raise, and it's not every year that I raise a set of calves. Um, it's probably teams in rotation. Um, you know, I, I, about every three to four years that I start a new set of calves. You know, it takes about four years for those, you know, um, those to be fully mature and to really do any appreciable work on the farm. You know, we will train and do, you know, for those first four years, we do a lot of training and they'll, they'll start doing, you know, some light work around, you know, in year two and three, but really at year four to five is really when they're big enough to actually do a substantial amount of work. You've got a kind of a, a time lag right there. You know, you got about four years of, of investment that you kind of have to get to before you're actually going to have a team big enough to pull any of substance. And then each team, you know, working life of probably, you know, it's considered good, you know, to get to about 12, 15 years of age. Um, you know, they're not as um, long lived as a lot of like draft. You know, you can work a draft horse into the, you know, start getting a little older in their 20s, but um, it's uh, cattle are different or joint issues, you know, around 12 to 15 years old. So, you know, if you kind of calculate it out, you know, like every three to four years, I should be a team so that I have a team that I'm the X team is kind of getting ready to rear, basically. Um, yeah, right now I have, um, I have my main team, uh, and five probably going on six right now. Um, I have one kind of one of my, one of my very original oxen, Joseph, and he's kind of in semi and he is 13 year age range. Um, and you know, he still does some work and I can work him as a single and he can be kind of a team of an injury or something. And then I have a young set of calves, um, like our young working steers, I guess, technically. Um, and so they're, you know, yearlings going on two. And then I have probably another of calf calves, like, you know, less than a year old um, from last year's bottle calves. So that's kind of the age range of the, uh, the kind of the oxen. Yeah, I think that's that one of the currently. really interesting parts about draft animals is it's not like a tractor where you can just you know, whip down to the neighborhood dealership and pick up another set, you know, so it's, it's. Yeah. I'm going to have to think ahead and, and, you know, that long ago that, you know, um, there were people who were raised selling teams, um, you know, even in an area like where we're at, I mean, uh, we're idle into the, the early days of the logging industry here in the County. Um, and you see old pictures and there was, 12, 14 teams, somebody had to be, you know, used to be able to, uh, the local feed hub, you know, buy a, buy a team mm -hmm. of oxen, uh, you know, but now so not, not any longer. So ag background, did you grow up on a farm or is this a, a departure from? <laughs> um, I mean, both ration farmers, um, um, I don't farm, you know, um, and uh, my, my family was actually uh, um, 
military in the Air Force. And so we moved around quite a bit when I was a kid. Um, probably at 20 is when I moved up to Humboldt County. Um, and so, and that's when I started getting involved in agriculture. I knew I you know, lost 20 year old, um, didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, ended up and I knew vaguely I wanted to work outside and, um, I didn't want to office and I couldn't afford to live in the city. Um, so I moved up to rural, rural Humboldt and I got a job working at a local, um, farm here. Um, my mentor, um, Paul Gentoli of, uh, Warren Creek farms. Um, and so he is kind of a straight ahead tractor based organic vegetable production, um, up to about 40 acres of mixed vegetables. Um, a lot of those winter squash, dry beans, um, you know, we, we did a lot. Um, he also did some farmer's market. We did a lot of wholesale. My, my early experience in, in, in agriculture was working for Paul, worked for him for six years, um, before, um, and then being actor here at the local college, um, is how I, I got, got my start. There's a, um, Redwoods here locally has a, an agriculture program. That's, that's how I got started doing, doing all of this. And then, um, quickly found that this was what I loved doing. Just trying to unmic my mute or <laughs> unmute my mic. Um, you mentioned, you mentioned earlier, Kevin, about the importance of community and how part of your business. And it feels like for some of us, that's, you know, that engaging with the community can be difficult or it's like one more thing. Can you talk about how you and why that's important to you? Yeah. I mean, um, I think it's it, business side of it. It's really important for us to, um, to engage with the community because everything that we predict marketed within miles of our farm, um, you know, like we have a lot of good friends in, in the, uh, the dairy, you know, that, um, run really different farms where, you know, they are through a commodity system. And, you know, it's just a matter of the way that we organized our farm. Um, you know, we have to have, at least within our local, have to have a strong in, in cell we produce. Um, and, um, and so that's, that's probably from a, from a business perspective why we put so much emphasis on community um side of what we do and that includes face-to-face at farmer's market um but there's also limited to what we can do with that um you know being modern age farmers one of the great ways to kind of broaden is through the social media um and we found that early on um we you know we doing some you know, marketing here and we took out a radio ad. Um, we do have a couple of really great local radio stations and, you know, we, we did a few things that as far as for marketing, but really to be perfectly honest, the only thing that's really worked as far as marketing for our farm has social media. Um, you know, there have been plenty of times where, you know, we've had customers show up at farmer's market on, you know, maybe a not good weather day, when we have, you know, they were like, I showed up on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it might be. Um, and when we've then subsequently been able to make a sale. Um, and so that's, that's a really important part of the business. I think Colleen and I also have a strong sense of wanting to develop our community just as a sense of, I don't know, purpose or meaning. Um, 
you know, we both have volunteered quite a bit on a number of boards for nonprofits and local organizations. Currently, um, my wife is the president of the, which is the North Coast Growers Association, which is the the uh, group that runs all of the local farmers markets. Um, board board member on the A as well. I've also been involved with uh, CAF, the, the uh, Community Alliance with Family Farmers, which is kind of a, a Californian. I've been locally involved as well as um, you know, um, represent um, for that, um, you know, local trusts and, um, shed improvement organizations, um, our local co-op, um, you know, a grocery co-op, you know, we've been involved in that kind of broader community just because I think it was interesting. Both Melanie and I, our first generation, um, both did not grow up in rural areas. And, you know, out of a sense of kind of wanting to root into a place, um, we've gotten really involved in our local Humboldt County community, um, kind of looking for that connection and looking to be a part of something that's greater than just ourselves and our farm, basically. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. When you take on apprentices, are they... Do you find typically they're local or are you finding them from all over the place? Where where do they come? How long are they staying? You say they stay on farm. Like, are they living with you or accommodations or what does that actually look like? Um, you know, uh, this is actually the first year where we've actually had a local apprentice. We have uh, um, a new one this year who is actually, you know, born and raised here in Humboldt County. So that that's actually the not typical apprentice for the farm. Um, I mean, feet as Nepal. Um, so, you know, we, 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 the, the Ram is on farm and we have basically kind of three, um, I don't know, yurts. They're, they're called a yome, which is like a yurt dome, three yurts and, um, rustic like shirts. Um, they all have those in them. Um, other, it's a, it's a rustic structure. Um, and so we do have, uh, we, we were most of the time our apprentices run from about now, from about March through November. Um, so for basic growing season, um, and, um, they work here, you know, we have educational component that we work into it. Um, they're also paid, not an unpaid apprenticeship. Um, and, uh, food, you know, it's a, it's kind of an immersive experience. Um, a lot of our, we have employees on the farm and part-time full-time employees. And a lot of our employees were gone on to, to, you know, employment through, uh, and so, it's, it's a, it's, it's quite a process. It's, it's, you know, we, we have vacation process. We usually do video interviews, a working interview where they come and they work with us for a few days and we kind of, you know, see how they're going to fit into the overall picture of the farm, how the apprentices themselves are going to get along. Sometimes they don't, we try to use some good dynamics there, but yeah, it's a, you know, it started as we knew that we needed to have more than just melon on the farm in order to take care of the number of, um, in particular, um, you know, as well as the working in the garden, um, you know, cause animals are 24, 765, you know, it's helpful to have more hands on the farm. You know, the cows get out because they do <laughs> inevitably there's, you know, friends and you know, they, they, they go rampaging through the farm. Um, but the uh, it like it's all, like I said it's also kind of part of our mission to teach next generation of young farmers and to try to give you know 
the the learning and the experience that both Melanie and I wish we had prior to starting our own farm. Um, we've learned a lot of lessons made way than we liked to starting a business and a farm um, and trying to prep you know young people to to do that um and it's a it's quite an, a, a learning experience on everybody's part we've learned a lot from them over the years and hopefully they've also taken away a lot from so, us as well Kevin, as someone who grew up on a hobby farm but didn't you know grow up in production ag i actually um started farming through a volunteer program that i was part of and i think it's really underappreciated how much of a gift it can be to apprentice or to volunteer somewhere so that if you don't if you end up realizing that you don't really want to do this you're learning it before you've sunk all of your own money into it you know um to to get more of the reality of the thing without definitely ruining your life um and I think one of the worst things we do to new farmers is to say, well, you won't get rich doing this. I mean, that's probably 100% accurate, but it's not a helpful thing to say. Um, and it's it's good for apprentices to see the strain, you know, how it, how it impacts the rest of your life. And, um, this question was a lot clearer when I wrote it out. Yeah, that's a, yeah, um, but yeah, it, it things because you know, like I, I guess, a sep, you know, physical separation. I mean, we have our, our house, you know, the their their own personal living structures, and then we kind of have a, a communal, like larger kitchen area, um, you know, and so that they and we also use the kitchen for things like and um, cooking projects, stuff like that. Um, so they have access to, this, to these these spaces, and then we can. But it is it is very much bringing people into our, our home and our family, and that's partly why we we do such a, a like it's vetting procedure. Make sure that we, you know that we have a good uh, somebody who is living 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 with us, um, and and you know that a lot of times conflicts arise, and or there's you know. Um, <laughs> flat out lies and there's all kinds of things we've come across over the years of doing this. and uh it, it's it tests us quite a bit you know it's there's there's some of our our other local farms have uh have had kind of apprenticeship programs and 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 quote unquote internship a way to get cheap labor right um and uh, I was at this at market because he's like, oh, you still have interns. I was like, well, you know, I intentionally use the as opposed to, it has a different connotation, um, you know. So this is something that, you know, goes into kind of a larger, older realm of, you know, work and learning that we don't do as much in our modern era as the, the kind of traditional apprentice. There's not too many people that like, apprentice to a blacksmith any longer or any of those kinds of would have been more of a traditional way to pass on um, knowledge um, so I think in those terms and it is it's it's one we have to be really careful with invite here um, and how we work with them and you know all of those things and and like I said it's it's not a way to get cheaply <laughs> <laughs> and I was telling a fellow farmer I was like you know if we actually look at it you know 
A, they, they do paid, you know, like we have a stipend based pay, um, unlike our employees who, you know, punch a time clock. Um, it is different than that, but we also give them learning, you know, so there's value in, you know, the amount of actual educational component. Um, and then they get all of the farm food, you know, and we pride ourselves on basing the best food we can, best food on the planet. And it's pretty much been our, our goal is food on the planet. And, um, and then, and have this, this experience, you know, and they get a lot from that. Um, and if we calculated out how much we spend in, you know, maintaining infrastructure and providing food and doing education and all the things, I mean, it probably would be cheaper day labor, you know, like that's the long and the short of it. It's not a, uh, it's not a, a, um, a day to get labor on the farm. Um, but it is super value, you know, to them as well as to us, you know, in a way that, um, is different than employment as well as different than just book learning. Well, and I, I think to someone sense. who's been through a program sort of with a similar basis, I think the ownership that you generally get from an apprenticeship or work like that versus paid job where, you know, I do what you tell me and then I get a paycheck and hopefully it doesn't bounce um, versus having a lot more buy-in. And yeah. I think too, you know, when you're living at the place that you work, when you get things like that 3 a.m. call that the cows are out, you're getting that much more realistic experience of what farming is like that it's not a it's not a nine to five sort of gig yeah definitely and and we we are like this is that we are super transparent um i i vaguely knew you know when i was for you know paul my my main mentor, I've kind of vaguely knew how I could kind of in my head calculate out how much we made in a market potatoes we shipped that week and whatnot. But as far as like the nuts of the finances, I, I did, I was completely unprepared, you know, in employment to starting my own business. Um, and you know, we, we, we open our books, you know, um, my wife, Melanie is, is wonderful with, the bookkeeping side of the farm, as well as the production planning and all of they get the opportunity to see actually, you know, line item by line we're making, what we're spending. How, um, and that kind of learning is just, I mean, we both wish we had had farm because we, you know, when we started a business in a couple of, you know, um, business classes at the community college. And I had, I had uh, written a business plan or two. You had a little bit of experience, but it still isn't, you know, I was un woefully unprepared for what it took to maintain the cash flow and profitability of a, of a business. Yeah, that's really important because I mean, it's probably a lot easier for apprentices or employees to see the ins coming in, especially if they're working at a farmer's market or things like that. But the the expenses are a little bit more visible. And if you're not upfront about 
both sides of the business, that, then that that can lead people to think, wow, you know, they're just raking in the cash. And but but the reality is those other bills, you know, that one just is a envelope in the mail. So if you then then there's not that. Yeah, there's not that transparency that people need to see what it would be like if they went out on their own. Yeah, it's uh, you know I, I I we've had I mean with our employees to a certain extent, but also just with like local community members. I mean we've both served on these boards and you know with the farmers market and we've had people come in and be like, oh man, they just see the amount of cash that's being exchanged at a farmers like wow, that's a lot of fees. We should you know be getting more. And it's like well you know a you're seeing gross sales. <laughs> You know, you're not seeing the expenses yeah. are of that farmer to even get to that point where they're where they're selling something, and then each farm is totally unique as far as how much expenses they have and and what debt they're carrying, and they just see the cash, you know, and they're like, wow, well, there's a lot of money there. It's like, well, yes and no. <laughs> and, uh, sure, yeah. You know, Probably on on the very sunniest day when you have you know the clouds, <laughs> that's that's oh, when yeah. they see it, right? Oh yeah, yeah, because that's when everybody's out and not actually see the, uh, you know, the profit and loss statement on one business, you know. So, so that's one of the yeah, things we do. For absolutely. We, 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 so we'll, we'll show them the profit and loss. We'll do a break monthly breakdown. We'll do all these things so that they get a a realistic sense of what it's going to take when they do start their own farms. Sure. So while we're to apprentices and uh, money, your uh, your other little apprentice. Does does your son get paid arm? It seems like everyone kind of structures arm and a little bit differently. What does he get for chores? Yeah, so um, like I said, this is you know he's nine, so he's really at an age is really on the farm because he's mm-hmm. you know this is this is his native territory. Um, so um, yeah, this is this season we started him out, and he does get paid uh, two to three hours that he works in the morning. Um, you know, we've already kind of we kind of started a, a fund that we were putting money into. You know, we started a kind of a savings fund, and the other thing doing with Clyde is we are um, homeschooling. Um, kind of started during the COVID pandemic. Um, we were, you know, we were one of those ones that you know he had started in kindergarten, and then and we've got thirty kindergarten. You know, we should do something different here, um, and so we started. Um, we started doing homeschooling um, with him and uh, he's in third grade now. And so it is going to be, is that he's, we're going to, he's going to work um, on the for an hourly wage. And then that we've already been kind of putting into his savings fund um, is going to be used for um, the education that we're going to need to, to purchase for, for our homing. And then, um, and above and beyond that, he'll be to, you know, a portion of that will get saved and then he'll have kind of a, a portion that he gets to use as, as his own, for his own discretion with supervision, <laughs> of course. Sure. Yeah. Is he yeah. uh, starting to show any signs of being a little farmer on wanting to reinvent any of those funds into in it? Um, I don't, we, we talked a little bit, um, but uh, for, for right, right now, I mean, the main thing that he wants to buy is fireworks. So we're going to have to to moderate some of that a little bit. But um, that does sound like a lot of fun. It does. Yeah. You know, and in uh, last year was the first some of his own money to buy some Fourth of July plans for this Fourth of July coming up. So, well, and maybe you could charge some members of the community to just show, so, you know, it, always, it could uh, could work out. That's- 
Yeah, maybe we should uh, we could put on a, a one for the seer holders or something like that. We'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, sell a lemonade or something too, when people probably, come to uh, uh, to watch his fireworks. But but yeah, no, it's it's been great having him. On the Sorry, car. you could probably get him doing a profit and loss statement. So you could get him doing well, a profit and loss and a business plan and everything and count it towards your curriculum. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that's that's one of the we, we want to work out is uh, starting to do a little budget and, you know, some of the that's one of the one of the things that we're doing now in our math program is uh, we're kind of on a on a money, you know, which gets us through the, the you know, the actual learning of how to, how to how to work with decimal stuff. But is so I think just the real life uh, and, and he's been with us at markets and, and you know, uh, how to count how count money and change back and we've had him at, at you know work with the customers and at least the, the the patient ones that are you know that's how you raise the next generation <laughs> no one has been like uh, yeah most of ever I, I can't say that an instance where somebody's been totally yeah i mean it's kind of i mean it's totally random to be perfect, I have no idea how it happened. You know, when I look, how did this 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 happen? Because it doesn't make much sense. But um, first generator, I had no livestock experience. You know, um, and then when I when I first started working on farms, I you know it was tractor vegetable production. Like that's what I knew, that's what I was trained on. Um, I always loved. You know, I um, I loved driving the tractor. I loved growing the crops. Um, I didn't necessarily love working with the dolic fluid and the lithium grease and, you know, down equipment. Um, I got up proficient, you know, turning and, and, you know, working with, 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 and what, but it wasn't like, it didn't really feed me, you know, <laughs> as far as, as my, with my love arming. And so I always dreamed about draft, you know, and I, when I got into farming, I just kind of consumed much information as I possibly could. So I read and, you know, I went to, you know, back to school and agree from the, the local, you know, ag college here. And, um, and I always kind of kept it in my mind. I dreamed of doing something with, of course, it was always drafts because that's, you know, that's what I saw the, the material that I came across. And, and, um, it was actually, um, right when we started, um, looking for our own farm. And like I said, I, I, I started at small grains. And, and so that was because of my tractor based experience. Um, I got tooled up so that I had a small combine and a tractor and, you know, and I had all the equipment and I could basically solo grow, you know, at the time I was growing 15 to 20 acres of small grains by myself as a single person. Harvest I actually ran a grain CSA for um, five years. Um, partially on leased ground before we bought this farm. And then our first years when we moved to this particular. Um, and then during that time period, um, you know, I just kind of have an insatiable anything I can about farming. And um, uh, our local mall here in Eureka had a borders book, you know, and because of the internet shut down, you know, the big corporate book chains, and, um, they had a big sale. So I went and I was like, okay, great. I love books. Go to the mall. <laughs> it's usually where you would find, um, I went and I picked, um, a book there. Um, 
and because they were selling out, you know, and I, I found a book and it was, um, uh, let's see if I can find it on the shelf there, but it, it's, uh, it was a book about oxen. It was um, oxen, a teamsters manual, um, by Drew Conroy. And, uh, I believe he's at University of Connecticut, New Hampshire. I'm not exactly certain, but he's on the, on the East coast. Um, and he, he wrote a book and it's really, it's actually out of print now, but it's pretty much the only thing in English that you can find on modern oxen driving and raising. And uh, I found this book and it was all about oxen, how to raise them, how to train, how to work with them, different things. And um, at the time, um, my wife and I had kind of started with an animal component, skin goats at the time. Um, before we, we had the farm on, you know, when we had a rental, we had enough let's keep a couple in the backyard. And so we were milking, um, goats and, and, you know, when we moved, first moved to the farm, we, we had all the goat milk and I did that thing where I bought the calves and I bottle raised them on the goat milk. And out of that, I decided to try based on solely because of this, a few things that I had read about, let's, and the, the idea was like, well, okay, if I, 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 I don't have any horse experience, you know, I'm, I'm not a draft horse person. I don't have anybody around locally that does draft horses. I didn't have a mentor. And, you know, I, I, if the oxen, you know, well, we had well-behaved beef, you know, at the end of it. And that was kind of the, could raise a couple of steers, see how it went, and, you know, in the end, it working, you know? So I, I, I found through you know, working with the, have a real love for working with cattle in general. I learned a lot working with goats, um, and why we don't have any goats on the farm anymore, <laughs> you know, or yeah, they, they, they taught me a bit, but, um, personally, why I feel like a, a little bit more, I like cows, you know, the calm, mellow and energy. And, uh, and then just like, you know, I, I still remember this first time, you know, when I had these little, you know, these bottle calves, these little bull calves, and I put a little yoke on them and, you know, and I, I attached to this little sled and I put a rock on the sled and I step up and I mean, they pulled it. <laughs> it was freaking amazing. You know, it was just, wow, they just, it just worked. And then from there, I kind of started seeing how we could integrate the oxen into the different aspects of the farm that we were developing. And they fit nice kind of middle power source, like a sized power source. Um, you know, they're, you know, a lot of farmers, you know, especially kind of these days with the no till movement, a lot of, you know, farms that can get away with like a small walk behind tractor, you know, yes, rototiller style tractor. And that works good on, you know, a quarter, you know, vegetable farms, um, you know, but, you know, like I said, we're growing five acres of vegetables, you know, it's not the 40 acres of mixed vegetables that I was growing with a tractor previously. So it's kind of investing like the ranged power source. Um, and then, you know, if you were to kind of price out, like, much do I invest into an oxen team and the amount of hay to, you know, feed them? And then how much do Kubota, you know, going to cost me a small, it actually works out fairly well <laughs> you know, to, to look at what it's going to cost and the amount of hay that you're going to feed, you know, a team of oxen. 
the benefit is you also, and it's a huge part of our program is um, when we have the in the barn, you know, we're collecting, we're mucking those stalls daily, that manure, which is then back into the garden. So, you know, it, it just kind of made sense in ways like, and, and I kind of got obsessed with it and um, found that it was something that I really loved. And it, you know, it, I had had farm experience before that or touched a cow. You know, I'd never even been close enough to touch, you know, and it, it, it cow prior to raising these bottle calves. Um, and so I don't have ever known how much I love working with cattle in general, um, without having so I've had got that experience. A comment and two questions. Um, we also don't have goats on the farm anymore. So guessing for, for much the same reason, God love them. <laughs> they're just hell on fences and, you know, like. They've got too much Um, personality. So I realized (laughs) that we've gotten um, almost an hour into this interview and have not uh, defined why, what makes a cattle an ox rather than a a cattle. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, because we have, you know, we'll bring... We work with a lot of school groups, you know, a lot of times and, you know, we do public tours and stuff. And I often get this cool. Well, what is an ox? <laughs> right. What, what is, we hear that all, you know, we know what that, we know that word, but know what that means. And it's of like occupation. So, um, sin is an occupation. Like I'm a farmer, they're an ox. Um, and so broadly be classified as anything working cattle. Um, and that can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different places. You know, if you look worldwide, working cattle are still the biggest class of drafts on the planet. Um, can include cows, female, um, bring, um, Cow. There are parts of the world where, where you can work cows, um, you know, and then there's also bulls um, and they're intact male bulls where they work bulls. Um, here in North America, usually the definition of an ox traded male bovine that is trained to work. So um, and there are reasons why we use castrated males. Um you know, all of the temperament issues that you would t- associate with a bull, you know, breed type that can be more or less, um, you know, uh, they're like in India, a lot of the, the quote unquote Brahmin style cattle, the boss Indicus that they work in India are usually uncastrated, tractable and mellow. Um, so um, the, the bulls of the boss Taurus breeds tend to be a little bit more aggressive, particularly the needs that most of the oxen tend to that, to be, be, you know, um, I want a Jersey bull to recipe for, well, um, you know, um, <laughs> the, 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 the castration takes care of the aggression that would be common in, in a bull. Um, and the other thing that's benefit castration of, of, of an ox is that um, the testosterone increases growth to a point and then limits it. So 
the ox will be larger of the, the same breed. So with the influence of the testosterone, the, the um, and particularly in the lar- longs, so um, they'll more distinctly be taller than the bulls. Um, you know, grow longer. Um, for a draft animal, you know, um, so, and size is important. Um, it's not the entirety of the base. An, an ox will be good as just size, but, um, you know, size, particularly height because of the, the physics of what you're doing are actually a benefit um, to, to draft. So in North America, like I said, the definition of an ox is a mature male bovine that is trained. So mature meaning five year mark of age of development. Um, you know, like a lot on the, uh, the East coast, um, the new England area, um, they'll have what they call working steer pro. So a lot of the, you know, the half to, you know, three year old, um, is kind of considered the working steer. Right. And then at about four years old, kind of when they can earn their, earn the tying an ox. Um, they've proven themselves through that working steer. Okay. You're an ox. And I, I like to think of them, you know, it was kind of realize, Oh, these guys are athletes. Um, you know, what we're asking of them is a physical endeavor. So, um, I have to treat them like athletes. I have to feed them like athletes to, you know, work their training as an athletic endeavor. Um, and the, oxen that I try to train, I think of them as trying to be basically the best. So that I start with a group, a smaller group of, you know, or I start with a, you know, four to six calves and then narrow it down to kind of the best two out of that group in order to continue their training up. That pinnacle as oxen, they should be, they should be the, um, Kind of think of them sometimes the warrior monks, you know, they're, they're, they're just some, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're set aside in kind of category above on any other class of bovine. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I like to think of it. I'm a farmer. They're an oxen. It's partly more of what they do than who they are. Yeah. Like it sounds like the cattle the hunger games over there. Um <laughs> Mm. it's a good and i know there have been some some people who have done the actual i forget the whole uh um you know equation of what you know means actual you know movement um but i mean you can kind of think of it pound for pound the the general the general consensus is that pound for pound an ox is stronger than a horse most draft horses tend to be larger than even some of the largest cat, like oxen, if that makes sense. So your average draft horse will be able to, it's larger. Um, but, um, and, and I'm sure I, you know, there are draft community members that would argue tooth and nail, either the ox is the stronger of the, of the two. There are documented, you know, um, cases of oxen pulling, you know, 10,000 pounds on a sled. Um, of course, competitive pull, but, you know, um, it's, it's kind of more of a balance of like, how much can they pull weight wise for how of a distance and then for how much time. So, um, 
you know, that's why I think of it as more of an, of an athletic endeavor, you know, like, you know, when you turn your tractor over, you've got, I've got 80 horsepower, right. Or whatever it is in the engine. And then the, what's interesting about tractors is that of course, the longer you run them, the less likely you're going to get that 80 horsepower, right? Right. As the wear and tear of your tractor and every single tire that up, you might get just a little bit less through the wear and tear of that, you know, that equipment slowly becomes an antique tractor. Uh, you know, it's, it, it may not have the same pulling power that it once did. Um, whereas an ox, because they're used them, the stronger they get. Right. So, um, to a point, I mean, you can obviously work so hard that you get diminishing returns. You know, you can, as an athlete, like you can train to the point of, and get less strong. Um, in the case of never going to work them that much, you know, um, personality was like oxen will never work themselves to death. I mean, this is something that draft horses have been known to do, you know, where they just push to the brink of exhaustion and then keel over. Um, you're never going to get an ox to do that. They will give up and lie down long before reach that point of absolute exhaustion. Um, just the way they are, you know, it's one of the nicer things about you know, oxen as opposed to horses, you don't have to worry personality themselves into an early grave. Um, yeah. So the more you use them, the stronger they get. So, you know, and I'll, I try to think about the work that they're doing in terms of that, you know, so I'll do harder, shorter term work, like logging be good. It's like CrossFit for oxen, right? You know, high intensity, short duration, muscle building activity, right? Logging is like probably par excellence, the, the best like conditioning that you would do with your oxen. Because by the time you get them into the garden, you don't want those poles in the garden to be their maximum pull. You want them to just be able to walk around in circles all day. Because honestly, that's what you're going to do them in the garden during the season. That's what you did, you know, during the winter time you logged, you know, if you lived someplace where it was snowy, great. You had extra, you had better friction coefficient. You could do heavier poles in the snow. Um, and then you use that work during the winter to condition your animals so that when it came time in the spring to plow, you had, you know, highly athletic animals that could just go out and plow all day, which is going to be a lot of work exertion. And so, um, you know, a lot of the, the, the work that I do out in the pasture. So we move a lot of, our, um, daily in the pasture, I'm moving chicken feed out to the, to the, to the broilers and the layers. I use that work to condition my animal. When I go into the garden, they're in so that they can do easily do the work. It, it, it's a different way of thinking about horsepower, I guess. Um, it, it's more about, where they're at within their, their, their physical athletic development. For sure. When it comes to the implements that you're using, um, antiques or are the, I will admit, I know nothing about draft animals. Are there new 
new implements that you can buy for, for draft animals or what are these that you're using behind your oxen? Uh, I mean, you know, we started with definitely a lot of it. Um, you know, there's still a lot of that available, you know, um, of course, oxen draft equipment is of course set up for draft horses. Some of it can be moxen, but, um, we quickly found, and like, like I have, and there are, there's equipment. I mean, there's being made. I mean, the Amish communities, um, still producing manufactured, you know, draft equipment. Um, you know, it's going to be expensive and it's going to be for me on the West coast to act, but it is out there. And I have a brand new, um, not brand new to me, but like, you know, it's a newer piece of equipment. I have a, a, a draft plow, a small plow, um, what we found was that I had to be small, like, because I don't have the horsepower of a tractor, I had to be small, which is substantial, but not a, not a tractor's, you know, worth of power. Um, and changed the way we do the vegetable production specifically um, to be this more low till permanent bed system um, that really worked with the draft power that we have. And so subsequently I've kind of to making my own equipment to match the, the tillage are implementing in our garden bed system. So, um, you know, what that looks like is less of a traditional mole board plow kind of thing of I've got a toolbar that runs in the pathways you know, it has wheels that run in, in the pathways behind the oxen. And then I set my yoke to a width that puts the oxen where they walk in the pathways. And then I can do different tools on the bed top, that that permanent bed. The benefit of this is, you know, the oxen can learn to walk these pathways because walk them all the time. So they're walking in the same spot. And so you know, unlike any kind of precision agriculture, you know, GPS tractor-based system, the oxen can and anticipate where they're going next, you know? Um, and I've even seen them learn where to put their feet based on the firmness of the soil. So if they start veering into it's nice and soft, they're like, wishy, I'm going to step back up over here. The, to the firm a walkway <laughs> that's not the the bed and and so they can learn where to go um and so i have kind of some and bed shaper and cultivation equipment um and then we we have a um a big wagon that we call the ox box that we run the same pathways and we can drop compost directly on top of these beds um and then like i said we still have mechanized aspects to it so we we do have a a, a rototiller and mower that runs all tops um, and then we're using um uh, big heavy uh silage um to do the action where you're you know using the tarps to kind of size or you know the the vegetative material and then going into it so it's, it's an interesting balance of old and new as far as the equipment um I'd say definitely kind of retired all of the antique stuff that I once used. Um, I think there's great in restoring and maintaining antique equipment. Um, but I've found that what I want to do is take oxen about it as super high tech cutting edge 
you know, new development in agriculture as opposed to an anachronistic throwback where, you know, reliving a past and, you know, I live in a, like a humid, muggy, like most of the, the ant I can find is just so rusted, barely functional. You know, it's, it's one of those things like uh, it's, it's better for me to think about it as of new equipment than old equipment. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Those antique decorations, you don't want to be using oh, yeah. them every day. And I, I still, I have a, you know, like I have this, this, this walk behind plow that I'll probably always hold on to be a story. Like I know it was given to me, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who had used it and their father's fathers had plowed to stay around. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to use it to pull anymore, basically. So, Kevin, I know, you know, a fair number of horse draft people. Do ox people concern themselves with a aesthetically mm-hmm. matched team the way that horse folks do? Or is it? Yeah, so, and there certainly are, like, you know, I'm less concerned with well-matched and more concerned with well-mated. Like I want a team that works well as opposed to one that looks flashy, Uh, you know, because that's, I don't like, I don't, um, but there certainly are oxen people who do a lot of show and competitive pulling where that is a, con, con, you know, it is a consideration. It's really good because that's part of the aspect of it. And I, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, down on that at all. That's, there's certainly a, a beautiful looking team. It looks really good together. Um, you know, I don't have, like, I'm so far competitive ox pole, um, you know, uh, show or any of those things that, for me, it's more important that I have because I'm actually for the work on the farm. I want a team that works well together. Um, and like I said, it's more like there are physical attributes that I look for using the calves. Like I look for certain confirmation characteristics, you know, show me the, the physicality of it. Um, but honestly, sometimes it's more mental than physical. You know, I've had oxen that are beautiful physical specimens that just have the mental fortitude to do the work, you know, it's like no matter how like buff, if you can't make it through a day's work, you know, you know, you know, and then I've had some, some animals that Joseph, honestly, Joseph, who is the, uh, the of my my original team, the first team I ever started, he just has whatever it is. Like he's my rock. Like n- there's been nothing put behind has not pulled. <laughs> um, so he's got the like the mind game, mental fortitude to do the work, and that's like I really want more and less of like, a pretty looking, you know pretty looking coat and, you know, well-matched with beautiful horns and color and all of those things that might look really good, but it, it's got to actually, you know, they actually end up having to pull, they have to pull, you know, that's what, that's what they're, that's what they're out there for. And if they don't have that ability, then that becomes really the hard. To work. 
Yeah, it's a. Uh, it doesn't really matter how how pretty they are if they're not going to work for you. Then they're helpful. Yeah. So um, I think if Katie's okay, we're going to move away from That's asking fine, questions. Arlene. She might she might loop back I'll to. We're going to move into. <laughs> I mean. I love it too, but we are a parenting podcast as well. So one of the reasons that we started this podcast about the opportunities and the challenges that parents face. Um, so I was wondering about, we're always interested in, in when kind of people became parents for the first time. Did those first weeks and months of parenting reveal any yourself that you weren't expecting? Well, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt that, you know, when you become a parent, it's like, it's I guess it's one of the few rite of passage experience that we have as modern adults, um, you know, where just who you are on a kind of fundamental level, um, you know, and I, I'm probably studies about changes biologically, both you know women and men, um, and uh, I you know it's like I always I talk about how 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 it changed what I thought about love, you know, you know you grow up. And you love your parents, you love parents, you know, as long as they're like relatively like still, you know, parents, you know, you love your parents, you might have to forgive them for things later on down the line, but you know, hopefully for the most part, you love it. And then, then you meet somebody a relationship and you know, you love that person. You, you, you love, it's different than the way you, it's, you know, you love them. Um, and then when you have that first child and it comes out and you're like, wow. I thought I was, but that's love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all new, right? (laughs) Or I'm getting a little choked up. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, you know, I, I, it way eye opening thinking about, you know, like there's this little being that comes out and is just so, dependent upon you and you know like it's just blank with obvious personalities like you know um you know it's like this it's a it's it's a whole different thing um and so it obviously changes you know it changes your sleep changes the way you socialize it you know the way your business you know all of those things. Um, and it can be hard. There's no doubt. I mean, it's, we've seen it with ourselves. We've seen it with our friends who have had kids and it really hard relationships to the point of breaking, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, there's no changes a lot in your life. So, yeah. yeah. So super lucky to, to experience. I, I don't, I don't, I would never, I would never, change anything about about that for sure i feel like becoming a parent is one of the things we least get any preparation for you know for a lot of us we we grow up learning things or we go to college or whatever you know and we're prepared for a job and we're you know where with parenting the preparation you get is maybe you babysit some and then I remember in the hospital, you know, the nurses handed me this person and like, you know, you have a couple days maybe in the hospital where like somebody else is still in charge, but then they expect you to take it home and know how to keep it alive. And like that, 
that switch to being in yeah. charge was a real <laughs> was a lot more than I anticipated. Um, so how did your approach to your farm and your business change Definitely. when you added another person? Well, it was definitely hard and, and I would say, you know, you know, it's definitely well, well warned, you know, having kids. It was, I had a, I had a mentor, um, who he sat me down and he had just like that look on his face and he's like, first thing, don't have kids your first year, you know, while you start this, bought this property, there was a house on the property. So, you know, a lot of places around here, you, you know, you might end up having to build a house first off. And it's like, okay, well, luckily we didn't have to house, but he knew he had started a farm and he knew that like the amount of work that it was going to take to start and family was incongruent. So, you know, and, and, you know, it was enough. I was like, okay. You know, I, we, we, we waited until the, the, you know, at least a couple years and I'm glad we did because, um, you know, I think we were unprepared with the way it was going to affect the other people on the farm, you know, had the apprentices from, we've had apprentices, um, on, on our farm here it certainly was hard that won't, you know, when when, when we brought a creature that then took us away from them, um, you know, anticipate. Um, and so those first couple of years were really difficult in working with people who under, who, who at least could intellectually understand, you know, where we were coming from, but no one they were all young folks and no one had had their own families. And so they just didn't really honestly couldn't empathize with us all, you know, why are they, you know, why is Melanie in the house? Like, well, breastfeeding this child is a, don't get this. Like this, one of those things, you know? Uh, and so, yeah, it, it was really difficult. I think some of the early years, you know, especially when you have that newborn that is just, fragile and we tried to think about you know we you know we we planned and you know we we gave ourselves this window of time knowing that like way could have had in june you know or july our growing season you know that's this is work so um we gave ourselves this window fairly close sun was born late october um and uh it's on the early side of our down season, at least those first few months, you know, um, were less end of than the main season. Um, that's more difficult, I think, with a, um, and, you know, but then, you know, I think one of the things that you're woefully unprepared for as the parent is the, how much of a long game we're talking about. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, I signed yes. up for something. I have teenagers. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And I'm just starting to realize that now. I mean, like I said, my son, we, we got some time left. <laughs> you know? This isn't, this isn't. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of years. <laughs> you know, it's not even, you know, you know, it's like you go to college, then four years, you're done. Right. Um, with kids, it's different. I feel like, you know, too, for me, one of the big ones so. was that I expected. <laughs> yeah, that that's right. You know, I brought a baby home and I didn't quite know what was going on, but I thought, you know, like 
a year or maybe two years, like I'd have this down pat and now they're six and almost five and I'm pretty sure I have less of an idea of what the hell's going on than I did when we started. So, you know. Yeah. And it keeps changing. Yeah, as soon as, as soon you as figure you... it out, they go through another phase. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're like, about to say okay. the same thing. As soon as you've okay. got that, is, you got that stage locked down, the, uh... and then they're, yeah, moving on. Yeah, yeah, you got that puzzle solved. Well, and then the, all of the, the timeline the of the commitment puzzle. that, you know, best case scenario is that mm-hmm. you have to do it for the rest of your life. You know, it's not a four years and then you graduate. The goal <laughs> yeah. is to do it forever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's... They're a trick. No, 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 no. Yeah. It, you know, it does, it definitely did get easier on the farm. You know, like once, you know, in, in some ways it was easier if he was mobile, but some ways it was, you know, it was harder when he was mobile. And then, you know, okay, so then we've got some, you know, you get some level of independence and now we don't have to be you know, doing the the toddler thing but you know you got this other thing and you got the school thing like that was the big thing you know because we we didn't start thinking we were going to do homeschooling you know i I thought maybe it would might be something that we we'd entertain but we actually have a good public school and then boom you get pandemic and then all of a sudden boom well i guess we're homeschooling It, it it so there's that added on to what we do you know um very unusual um, homeschool. There are some homeschooling fathers, but it's mostly my, but, uh, you know, groups and stuff. It's, it's usually just me, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's just always kinds of these things that we have to keep learning with the kids, you know, just, it, it's, it's one thing after another. Okay. You know, I've, you know, figuring honestly that the, the I, I tell this all the time. It's like, you know, everybody wants to have the, the download of like, here's how to do it all. But the better thing is, okay, how do I figure out to do it all? Because, you know, like what first time I built, rebuilt a car, I didn't learn that. Like I had to figure that out. <laughs> and it's a lot of the, the, the kids with the kids, you know, no one told you how to do this thing. You just have to like take the skills and problem solve and figure out how to do that. You know? Yeah, we say pretty often that farming are kind of similar in that way, and there's there's really a way to farm that everyone everyone does it differently, and it's kind of the same with parenting, right? I mean, we've got different kids, and what works for for another, even with the the same house, if you've got multiple kids, or you know, right. it doesn't. There's not a recipe that we can follow and be like there it. <laughs> There, we, we finished up with age nine. And now, uh, now we'll move on to age 10 and we did it all right. You know, like there's no one way of, of getting the secret formula. So yeah, you're right. You just have to kind of learn as you go. And I guess we all yeah, hope we're doing it right, or at least mostly right. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. It's like problem solving skills are more valuable, you know, in farming and parenting and being able to, you know, knowledge you know or whatever you know facts yeah like, you know, you're better off mm-hmm. like knowing how to have figure out a problem than actually coming into it with a with any kind of fixed amount of knowledge yeah for sure so what do you enjoy most to to raise farmer clyde on the farm 
um, having him work with, with us, uh, you know, um, in the chore setting, like just been, and it's like literally been this week and he started kind of like, we started, so our apprenticeship actually started March 1st. So last Wednesday, um, we had, uh, the first, uh, the first hand and, uh, and we had kind of come to as far as, you know, negotiate pay and, you know, that it was going to be, 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 you know, utilized and all those things. And, and then, so last week, this week, and just having him with me while we're doing the chore and out there, but it's kind of focused now, um, thing, you know, and, and honestly, because this is his native soil here, um, it's really helpful. <laughs> you know? Like having, having a nine-year-old boy out here who knows how to do these things way better than, you know, a 20, you know, on a farm and is wanting to learn about it. You know, it, uh, sometimes like I, I would rather have that nine-year-old, you know, out there to help me with this thing because there is going to be more knowledgeable and more skillful to somebody, you know, I have to teach how to use a hand. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. It's a really neat part of, of raising a, a kid. I feel super, you know, and that as a father, you know, cause you know, in some of the other dads that I know, you know, who have to work off farm or they work, you know, in town or whatever it is that they do, they don't get to spend as much time. Like, I just feel super lucky, you know, um, you know, it, it takes self-discipline on my own part to do the homeschooling and, you know, manage the, my son and, you know, family, you know, going and all of those things. Um, also get to spend every day with really, really cool. Um, and seeing him like, you know, exploring and kind of taking ownership is just really, really neat. It's a, it's a really, I think really too, cool it's part such of the process. To kids to teach them to live in community, um, and to, to raise them to be competent humans and to, to know how to learn things. Um, and for them to be able to get to demonstrate that they are competent, useful humans. You know, I think we infantilize a lot of children a lot more than they deserve. You know, my my four-year-old asked for a job oh, the yeah. other day, like a, a real job. He's, you know, he's got a baler he wants to buy. He's he's ready. So, you know, they're, they're capable of a lot more than we give them credit for. Yeah. Um, so what challenges... No, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, and I, I always re- I was just gonna remember a time when Clyde, that four-year-old, and I can't even remember, you know, how the the, the circumstance. But, um, I was working field, and um, you know, and which is you know considerable amount of ways away, and and he was I think somewhere in in the in Homestead area, and he ended up walking. It was like, it's, it's like a quarter mile at least out the grass, you know, all the way out to the backfield. And I just, just thinking about like, wow, I think most kids have never been that fully independent across an amount of space on their own, you know, uh, and it's completely safe I and mean, there's nothing out there, but you know, ask, you know, I'm sure, you know, luckily we don't have any poisonous or anything. Um, but it was, it was a long ways to go for a lot all the way out there. And it was just like, that was, that's the kind of cool, like, 
kind of farm kid independence that I think a lot of kids get because if they were to walk like, you know, they're going to have to cross five streets. You know? <laughs> it probably is not a safe way for them to go. You know, it was a really, really cool. So what challenges are you facing um, parenting as a farmer besides stain removal, which seems to be a big one? <laughs> well, um, luckily, and has um, taken on a black wardrobe, which um, we have encouraged because uh, doesn't show any grease stain. <laughs> you know? um, so yeah, uh, you know that's also one of the reasons why I wear black. See the little bit less, a little bit less. Um, but the, the the general things clean is always there's the cleanliness, and then there's just kind of the um, the things that get left around, you know, like, wow, it's amazing how many things can get left in just places, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll be like, wow, how did this end in this particular place on top of the hay? You know, I had to, I had to deconstruct a, a pull system for our, our haystack that the other day, because um, I think there was a, uh, some sort of materials handling up to the top of the haystack that it was in was in process yeah, yeah. i wish we had our cameras on because you would see a whole lot of nodding i uh my kids set up a shop on our on our house stairs the other day and managed to take up all 17 stairs and the landing with their arrangement and it is yeah i was not prepared for that part of parenting oh yeah so we ask all oh go ahead yeah uh, we ask all of our guests if you no, were no, no. to dominate a category at the county fair, what would it be? And categories can be real or made up to ensure that you win. Wish well, that we had component at our. I've been out to the to the uh, east coast for for a certain number of draft. Um, events and uh i've never been to like a county fair has a a draft event or a steer show or any of those things um so i guess that of what i wish our county so i because i think if i did like i would definitely dominate i'm pretty confident that um you know with my oxen you know i have put more weight oxen than than most ox teamsters would ever dream of doing um and i feel like i feel pretty good with my my teamster skills so like if there was an ox pull at our county fair yeah yeah that trophy for sure (laughs) yeah yeah from the way from the way you talk about them i'm pretty sure you might you could probably for different age categories and then you'd get multiple ribbons right oh yeah yeah no, i know i have the whole you could I have, start out I have start yes <laughs> the, whole, whole, the full range but. yeah for sure so we're going to move ahead into our cussing and discussing segment we've registered uh-huh. for an online platform where listeners can leave their cussing and discussing entries for us and we'll play them on the show so go to the show notes and go to our speak pipe to leave us a voice memo or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com and we will read it out for you so katie you're up first what are I you cussing like or discussing or and when the, we discussing had this week kids i assumed that i'd have to teach them to be nice to each other you know and you teach them to respect their elders and whatever. I feel like that's 
pretty expected. Um, I did not anticipate the difficulty that comes with teaching your kids to respect adults even when that adult is being an asshole and doesn't really... I don't want to say doesn't deserve respect because I think everybody deserves respect, but there are people who make it more difficult. Let's put it that way. And I was not prepared for <laughs> yes. how to yeah. teach a four-year-old that they have to be nice even if this grown-ass adult is not being nice. You know, I just... <laughs> right. Like, it's a little easier when they're their own size, right? Well, but, and uh, I yeah, mean, coming, kids coming tend from a grown up, you, you have slightly their higher standards. a little more directly. So I find myself saying things like, don't kick your sister in the throat, which it was an accident, in all fairness. But navigating the more, <laughs> yeah, thankfully, sure. passive aggressive ways that adults tend to approach children, um, you know, I, I feel like telling a kid how to deal with an adult who hit them would be a lot more straightforward than you have to be polite, but you don't have to be happy about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. And you can respond honestly if you're, yeah. Because, yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um, even I have some standards. <laughs> yeah, that too. And that's basically it. Um, so, Kevin, what do you have to cuss and discuss this week? Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, I've, I've kind of uh, let the, the 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 podcast down because I don't think I've actually cussed the entire time that I've been on here. Um, and <laughs> I wanted to uphold. It's not mandatory. I want to hold the well. Oxen Teamsters have this reputation. Um, and they are known to cuss so much that they can make sailors blush. And so I, <laughs> I think, uh, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it is interesting. I mean, I, I, I search quite the vocabulary. Um, we, we were actually at dinner the other night at the kind of the local brewery pound at the table next to us, you know, and there's, um, they're, you know, a group of adults, they're having a discussion about it and they, he goes on this and that, and, you know, we're sitting just like right next to him and, and, uh, and, and he goes, oh, because he sees my son and, and he sees the, like, oh, they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, it's, it, it's, a, you know, I, he has heard more, um, from he knows, me. He knows that. You know, and uh, <laughs> the interesting thing is like, I, I hardly ever hear him dressing because I, I think I quickly, uh, took on the 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 kind of worry about my language um i get the benefit of homeschool i don't have to worry about him coming the teacher saying you know your son used uh, this word and blah 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 and it's like well but he doesn't even really cuss that much <laughs> but he hears me right, say yeah. all, all the fucking time you know? Yeah. Unlike, uh, yeah. unlike my kids and have learned just, uh, a word on the bus, at least, you know, if he learned one, it's from you, you've got nobody to, uh, nobody to blame, but yourself. You know, you know, it's an interesting <laughs> thing, but yeah, no, it's, um, I don't know. I, I think I, I kind of teach my son the pouch is good, you know, and all words, whether mm -hmm. they are expletives or not carry power. 
And so you just don't want to use them all the time. <laughs> Basically. So are yeah, they, that's what do you have to customize. Time and a place, right? Yes. Mine is very frivolous, but this is the one that came to me. So I thought I was being nice to my houseplants and some of them were getting kind of root bound. So there was a not frigid day the other day and I did some repotting and one of the older plants in the house that was very root bound and I thought would be delighted by having a brand new larger pot is like trying to die on me now. And I don't know why it's being so fickle and such a baby about it, but I was trying to give it new life. And now it feels like it wants to just drop all its leaves and pout because it wanted to stay in its tiny little pot. I feel like it's right there with when you <laughs> yeah. get your kids a new toy. Trying to help you live. Love and they're just like, meh, nope. You're like, why do I bother? I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> not interested. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could have stayed the way it was. Yeah. You so we every... want you very much, Kevin. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that uh, just on that, you know, it's like whenever you try to what they're going to like and then you have five minutes of active play and then it gets, you know relegated to the pile you know it's like oh wow that, that didn't go very well <laughs> yeah we'll we'll stick with cardboard boxes and piles of dirt from now on yeah definitely my son is making a so box thank for you me. very much kevin <laughs> yeah yeah thank you for joining us today on the podcast if people want to follow you in see what's happening on the farm where should they find you on social media so um my instagram page active um at shake fork oxen i also you can follow the the farm which is uh, my wife's instagram um at shake fork community um and subsequently the same on facebook um, and then, yeah, those are probably the best ways we've been working on developing our website. So we'll also check that out at shakeforkcommunityfarm.com. Um, yeah. And if you happen to be in far Northern California, you're always welcome to stop by, um, the thriving metropolis of Car- Carlotta. Yeah. Thanks for coming. I on. will uh, put it on my bucket list for sure. Thank- Thank you for joining us on Barnyard Language. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron. Go to www.patreon.com backslash barnyardlanguage to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making the show. Please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode. Instagram and TikTok as Barnyard Language and on Twitter we are Barnyard Pod. If you want to connect with other farming families, you can. We are always in search of future guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, please get in touch. We are a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network.